I am Citizen 44. You are listening to Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg, live from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 86. Today on the show is A.D. Bell. Super talented, sweet, outgoing. So excited to have her on the show. And she was my last recorded show in Ashland, Oregon on January 7th. So she's definitely the Leaving Ashland show. And I want you to pay close attention to marker 32 and 8 seconds. That's 32 minutes, 8 seconds. I've been in Vietnam now since January 12th, which is just after this show was recorded. I was in China on the way to Vietnam for one day. It was a 14-hour layover. It was not near the epicenter of the coronavirus, but I was in China. I was also in the Buddha bar which was one of the major contributors here to people catching the coronavirus, but I was there just a couple of days before the infected people were discovered. So my timing is excellent on everything. Always has been, I would venture to say always will be. I had an apartment, gave up my apartment, found a great girl, living with the great girl and her cousin roommate. Everything's pretty good. We've been in lockdown here since the 1st of April. It is now the 18th of April, and uh, it's fine. I've got a couple of roommates, so I'm entertained. I'm not by myself. Lean Ann is an amazing cook, and frankly, I don't miss being outside. There's a big grocery store here, so we don't have to go far, and it's all kind of working out. It's good to be back. I know it's been a long time since show number 85, but there's just a lot going on. So here we go. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? I just got home from walking the dog. Yeah? What's it like outside today? Overcast. They said possible rain. I don't know. Oh, you sound a little tired. I feel pretty good. I get winded real easy. So how's it going over there? It's going great. Yesterday was Lean Ann's 38th birthday, and we had a nice party and uh, all that. That was fun. Sounds nice. Yeah, it was very nice. The quarantine was supposed to be over on the 15th, which is what, three days ago? Yeah. But they've pushed it out another week, which is not bad, actually. Push stars out more. Yeah, well, we're not in as bad a shape as you guys are. No, it's not too good. Although we have somebody just four floors above us is now infected. They're under self-quarantine, but I haven't heard anything else about that. Yeah. Recently, you hear outside reverberating through the whole city, this underwater sci-fi voice making announcements. And then in the apartment building, we get warnings that they're gonna shut off the power, booming voices come on and these alarms go off. So it's really kind of sci-fi around here. Well, sci-fi here too, because you go out, there's nobody out. I mean, there's a couple of people walking their dogs. How long has it been now? How long has your quarantine been going on? A few months. A few months. Yeah. Went over Rachel's a few days ago. And that was nice. But yeah, I don't see anybody. Watch TV and play on the computer. That's it. Yeah. Not much else to do. It's quiet. Yeah. And there's not people coming to visit you besides Rachel, right? Yeah. Gino comes by, though. Gino, he won't even come in now. He won't come in. He gets guests from down the hall. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. I think he's concerned about his parents a lot. I'm sure he is. Yeah. I went to cemetery yesterday. Went to see mom. Yeah. Took flowers. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Anybody else at the cemetery? I think I was the only one there that I could see except for one other car in the whole cemetery. I go every week. That's good. At least you're getting out in like a park-like setting. I mean, you are getting out a little bit. Yeah. Imagine if you did not have Gus. I know. Anyway, I wanted to call to check in and see what's going on over there in Encino, California, and check on you and Gus. We're all right. Are you wearing your mask when you go out? Yes. 
Just wanted to say hello and tell you I love you. I love you too, Mark. It's always good hearing from you. And it's good to know that you're fine and everything's going good for you. I think you know I'm a pretty lucky guy. I'm surrounded by some pretty amazing people and I'm being well taken care of and I couldn't ask for any more than I get. That's a good thing. If you need me, don't forget to call. I won't, Dad. Love you. Have a good rest of your day. Okay, I love you too, Mark. All Take right. care. You too, Dad. See you Bye. later. Bye. Bell, you are the last person in this office doing this show before I leave tomorrow for LA and then the following day for Vietnam. And it's amazing. What does that mean? Like, how is that for you? I don't know. I've been gone all day. I drove my daughter back to OSU from her winter break. I cried for the first 10 minutes in the car Deep. and uh, it's all good. Yeah. But I'm leaving my family again. Mm. And uh, it's not the first time. I've built up a little bit of callus on them around me picking up and leaving, but I gotta go. I can't afford to live in this fucking country anymore. And that's the truth. Yeah. I certainly can't afford to live in Ashland anymore. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So I'm just gonna change things up and it's all for the good. And my yeah. children can see they're not stuck anywhere, mm. no matter how old they are. Mm -hmm. You can just go. Yeah. Live, this is Follow it. Follow your heart. Yes. Follow your passion. I commend you. Thanks. It's brave and I also just love your realness about it, your tears and your depth. Well, I think it's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. Is that the definition of courage? I guess, I'm in that gray area, whatever that means. <laughs> I love it. I met you through Church Divine. The Church and, of Rock and Roll. Yeah. And I don't remember what the specific thing that was going on at the time. It where was Reverend Johnson's service. The mm -hmm. Church Divine over there on Siskiyou with Chris Johnson yep. and Sylvia Massey. And I think you just kind of blew my mind in many ways. You're spectacular looking and you're super amazingly spiritually deep and an amazing singer, songwriter, keyboard, piano player. And you got all this shit going on. Thank you. Your dude is very lucky. Is he oh. still in the picture? That oh, guy? yeah, that's oh, my good. husband. What's his name? Casey. Casey's cool as fuck, by oh, the way. Thank you. He liked you too. I went to your event, Wishcraft. Yeah. And uh, I think he was there, but I was just in this cloud of your experience. And Yeah, we create another realm. So it doesn't surprise me that you were kind of out of sorts, so to speak because the intention with Wishcraft is to create a demarcation of time where we can just be still and be with ourselves. So I find that it's a special time. There's going to be a lot more of me coming everybody's way this year. is what they would call in astrology my Jupiter return. So Jupiter comes around to where it was in the sky when you were born every 12 years. It's a 12-year cycle and it also coincides with the Chinese New Year. Ah. So every 12 years your sign comes around your Chinese New Year like your animal. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun little pairing. But Jupiter is the planet of fortune and expansion and luck. It's also the planet of spirituality. It wants to like grow and expand. So when your Jupiter comes back around to the placement that it was in the sky when you were born, it's like, it's your year. It's your time. You're coming out. And that is so what's happening for me. It's crazy, Mark. I am running around 
finishing the things. I'm wearing all the hats. I'm a producer. We're finishing a new record with the band. We're doing a show called Silver Wheel, which is in cahoots with the Levity Circus Collective. It's aerial silks with Maggie Rassett. She's an amazing silk aerialist and she's my director. So she's directing all the performance arts. There's beautiful aerial performances with my original music and the story of the Silver Wheel. Silver Wheel is, there's eight lunar cycles. There's eight holy pagan holidays of the year. We're talking solstices That's and That's two equinoxes. fours, you know, 44. Yeah, there's a lot of fours going on with 88. You're 44 and I'm 88, baby. I'm just baby. saying. I know. You're twice as good as me. No, I'm just the higher octave. Interesting. Ah, totally. Huh. Well, and also the four is such a masculine, like sturdy, grounded, stable. It's like the first number that actually builds the foundation. Huh. And then eight is the higher octave of it. It's the ripe fruit in the Kabbalist oh. numerology. Okay. Will, yes. Well, I've done some research on 44 and I've yeah. come up with all kinds of interesting hypotheses around it. Well, I love it. If your listeners don't know, this is Citizen 44 speaking to Oracle 88.
you just gave me Silver Wheel. Yeah. Is this your latest? That's my latest album. And okay. she's already two years old. And we're about to release Venus Exalted, which is my new EP, two volumes. I was born on a rainy Wednesday on April 25th, 1984, in a hospital in Kalispell, Montana. Way up there in the Northwest, Flathead Valley, Flathead Lake. Both of my parents are concert organists and choir masters, and they were music directors for the church, different churches. My father was a Christian scientist. I was raised Christian scientist and joined the mother church till I was 15. And my mother always just took space and let us have whatever feelings we wanted to about spirituality. But I was raised under the big sky. 
And Montana is just, ugh, especially the Kalispell. It's the mouth of Glacier National Park. Stunning, rugged, amazing. A lot of fundamentalist Christians. That's part of why I left, because when I decided that I was truly gonna pursue being an artist for a living, I noticed that I was kind of swimming upstream in that particular climate. What was your mother's faith at the time where she just granted you space with your father? She's more of an intellectual. She's really heady. She never pressed any kind of spirituality jargon. None of that. She kind of let my father take the lead, which I was actually looking back and also in the time very grateful for because the Christian scientists, very different than a lot of people think Scientology, which is that Hollywood cult. Right. Christian science is based on the teachings of Mary Baker Eddy, who was in cahoots with the science of mind, which really at the essence of that teaching is around mind over matter. I was exempt from our immunizations. I didn't go to health class because I had a note saying that I didn't have to go learn about diseases and all this other stuff, which was kind of interesting at the time, but I look back on it, I was like, great. Did you ever get sick? Oh, yes. One of my deep origin stories is that my mother had a sinus infection when she was pregnant with me. She got very, very sick, and if you've ever had a sinus infection, it takes over your whole everything. You're lethargic, your head is filled with cement, you have no appetite, really intense. So I was born premature and she was so sick in labor, she was coming in and out of consciousness during the labor, she doesn't really remember anything. So I was premature about a month and I basically took on her sinus infection. I got my first sinus infection when I was three months old and they gave me antibiotics, which just wiped out my entire bacterial landscape. How did they give you antibiotics with your father being who he was? Well, I think at three months he was lenient because it's a matter of life, life and, death and death when you're an infant. Yeah. But as I grew up, I would still suffer from sinus infections and he would try to heal them as a practitioner. And I'm not trying to belittle my father's faith. However, there did come a time when I remember I had a double ear infection, crazy pain. I'm five years old and I'm looking at my dad and he's being as present as he can. He's praying, he's bringing in other practitioners. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm not worthy of God's miracle. Because my mother was like, I'm taking her to the doctor. And we got drugs. And it cleared it up. But for a time, that's the thing about antibiotics, is that it takes care of the symptom, but never really gets down to the cause. You're talking about how we operate in this country, period. Exactly. Yeah. Never getting to the root of the we problem. We the, put yeah. Band-Aids over everything. Yeah. But fortunately, there are people who get to the root of the problem, and it took me 30 years. I had 30 years of chronic sinus infections all through my growing up, on and off of just being incredibly sick and not being able to do what I wanted to do. I was kind of babied a little bit because I was sick all the time. I couldn't be in the direct sunlight for too long because I would get heat stroke and I was like the precious little sickling one. I identified with being the special one for a while. Was there more of you in the family? There Brothers is. I have a brother and a sister in the middle. Okay. Yeah. That right? says more things. Totally. Who's older? My sister is the eldest. How much older is she than you? We're all five years apart. Oh. Yeah, five years exact. She was there earlier, exposed even earlier to that type mm -hmm. of thinking. Yeah. What was her situation? She is the lion-hearted warrior leader of our tribe. She has a great, strong constitution. She's very headstrong. She's a Leo. When my parents divorced, she chose to move with my father to Denver. I was nine when my parents split up. It was, of course, a seminal moment of intense identity breaking and all the tragedy and the family splitting apart and what does that all mean? And I just want to jump back to the chronic sinus infection and going back to the roots of what it is, is that it took me 30 years, but I got to the root energetically and pathologically, so to speak. How did you get to the root? Well, in a nutshell, I took on my mother's pain, and when I was old enough to be able to metabolize that and forgive her and also share that story with her and then give her back her pain, 
My mother didn't know how to take care of herself, and she didn't know how to take care of me when I was sick. She hadn't been taught either, you know, she was born in the 50s. So I had to forgive her for that and forgive myself for taking it on. And then really in a tearful session with her just on the phone, because I was in California at the time, and I think she was here in Oregon. We just had a heart to heart about it and we cried. And she said, I blame myself for some of the stuff that you're going through because we didn't know. And I forgave her and I was like, well, let's do it together. You know, let's make some kimchi. Now we make kraut together. So it was really about just bonding around the trauma and then taking some actionable steps to live a better life. And I haven't had a sinus infection in six years. Wow.
freeing other people frees us. Yeah, because all truths exist simultaneously. And can we hold big enough space to allow your truth to exist without judging you, making it wrong, saying, well, that's your truth, but it's a shitty truth, and I want your truth to be different. As a species, we're on the edge of a complete reconfiguration of our consciousness and how we see ourselves on the planet. I think we've been so dumbed down by misinformation for so long that it's cracking open. And the world that we perceive as it is now is so different from the world that is. And it can be a scary awakening because you shake someone's faith. You say, oh, this God that you believe in or this thing that you believe in or who you are isn't actually who you are. And it can be a very terrifying thing. Well, when you eliminate all the stories that have been imposed and then you peel that all back and what's left is you, that is scary. Yeah, it's like in the Matrix when you find the Neos all plugged into the stuff. Well, that's what we're doing is we're doing this unplugging. Yeah. Like with a drug addict, you got to hit rock bottom before yeah. you start reaching up for help. Yeah. There's so much unmetabolized grief within our culture and within our world. It's like so much. So how do you take it on? And if you do take it on, does it take over you? And what are the ways to let it move through you? How can we embrace change? Because change is really on us right now. And yeah. people do not want to change. No. Well, I think we're going to have some severe sickness, maybe plague-like proportions where people are going to be humbled because it won't matter how much money you have, we are all gonna suffer together so we can get that mutual appreciation back. Gotta be humbled, get on your knees. Yeah, and money can't save you. big sky state yeah what's school like for you because now you have this really interesting growing up situation mm -hmm. you're obviously different christian scientists are totally weird did you have friends who were also christian scientists i had a few growing up my parents divorced at nine and we went to denver then i lived in denver part-time in montana for the summers so my parents split us up for school years with my father and summers with my mom so your dad went to denver yes okay why did he go to Denver? He got a job. He got a job as the music director for the first church of the Christian scientists. Oh. Yeah. Beautiful, amazing church. So yeah, that was the main reason. I mean, of course, my parents had their thing. School up until I dropped out when I was 16 was pretty easy for me. I didn't work too hard, similar to my dad, and I got good grades, and I was just a likable middle child. So I can kind of hang with all the cliques. I had friends in sort of every area, but definitely drawn to music and theater arts and writing. That was kind of my jam, was in the creative realms. I was in all the school plays and all the school musicals, and I was in marching band and orchestra, and I played first chair clarinet for three years, and then I became the drum major, until my father and I had a big fight. And he said, that's it, you're moving back to Montana with your mother. Can't stand you anymore. How old were you? I was 15. It was right on the cusp of 2000. So I took my brother and we went back to Montana and I went to the school there. And of course it was one of those culture shocks. I'd been in Inglewood High School and it's in a city. And then I'm in Kalispell, Flathead High. And it feels all pokey and dumb and slow and nobody gets me and I'm all ready to rebel and I'm hormonal and I'm 15 and I go home to my mom and I go, you know what mom, I'm dropping out of high school and I wanna do something else. This is a waste of my time. And I'm like, I need you to sign this note because I can't do this. And I love my mother. She really saw me and she was like, you know what? If you come up with a plan, some kind of thing, where are you gonna do, what are you gonna do, how are you gonna do it? I'll sign this piece of paper. So I decided to sign up for a community college, get my GED, and she let me have my way, which was great because I got to find my truth. She didn't say, stick it out, deal with it. High school sucks for everybody. She really saw me struggling and she saw me being outside of the box. And it was one of the most fantastic things that ever happened at that time in my life. And I broke out of the status quo and I got to design my own future from 15. It was amazing. And I went to community college, I didn't like it. 
I was kind of swirling around like, what am I gonna do? And my mother again comes in and she says, well, you know, you've been cutting and dyeing your hair since you were like 11. Cause I'm always playing with my hairstyle and buying box dye from the grocery store, changing up all my colors and just having fun with it. And she says, why don't you go to school for that? She said, if you go to school for cosmetology, I'll pay for it and you get out of school and you work your job and you pay me back. What do you think? And I was like, hmm, freedom, do what I want, create a new art, build and hone a skill and a trade. I was totally in. I went to Crevere's School of Cosmetology in Kalispell, Montana when I was 17 years old. I finished too early because you're supposed to be 18 to graduate, so they'll fudge the numbers a little bit. I was just shy of 18. And at 18, I had a certificate of being a certified cosmetologist, heading out on my own, making my own way, having my own job. I had my own business at 18. And it was so wonderful. So I got to make my own hours. I got to learn the hardness of having your own business. I was half adult, half teen, because I'd skateboard to work. I would just like do my own thing. I was having a ball. And I made money, and I made friends, and I built a skill, and it felt really right for me. And so I became a cosmetologist at one of the most awesome salons in our little town. And for years, I worked my shop. I saved money. We had an old Victorian house about two blocks away from, from where I worked. And my mother left because my brother left as well. There's this whole exodus. Everyone went to California, and I stayed in Montana. And I rented out my Victorian house to my deadbeat guy friends who couldn't pay rent on time. I was like landlord slash hairdresser. I was like Wendy with her lost boys. And I learned how to do that the hard way, and I learned never rent to friends. It's not good business. And then to follow the timeline, really what had me leave Montana was my father's heart attack. He died on Halloween 13 years ago. And I went into a deep depression. I didn't understand what I was feeling. And I had to leave Montana, I had to get out. So I went to where my family now was in Oakland, California. And slept on their couch and tried to figure out my life. and. I feel so grateful because most people have such a tough experience with their family, but my family and I, we are tight. I mean, my sister, brother, and I, we love each other, we get each other. I mean, not to say we don't have our hard times, we do. It's super unconditional. Like, we all want to live together. We shared houses on many occasions in different states and different times of our lives, and we're planning to share a house again, or at least a parcel of land, have our compound dream, you know? We're building towards that. I love my family and it's like being with them really healed the wounding that I was having around being 23 and losing my dad. I got a job at Cafe Gratitude in Berkeley and started learning the language of living into being as you would have it. The game of abundance is what they taught us in Cafe Gratitude. And some of those Cafe Gratitude people that I worked with for those years are still my dearest friends. It was a time capsule. It was this moment in time when we were all learning and being ourselves and expanding and growing, and it was instrumental in my discovering of myself. I hate living in cities. Living in Oakland is not my scene. We lived actually in Fruitvale when the Fruitvale shootings happened at the BART station. We lived in a really rough neighborhood and there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't fear for my or my family's life just coming and going from our house. I mean, it was really intense. It's like living in a prison and it's expensive. It's just all the things. Fast forward, I found Ashlyn and I brought the family here. My sister has two small kids with her husband here, and they live with my mother in Medford, and I live in Ashland. I've been here on and off for 12 years. I kind of bounce between Ashland and the Bay, and I am fortunate that I've been crafting and building my life to be a full-time artist, and I do all kinds of things. I'm a Renaissance woman, as you might say. Right now, I'm focusing on my new record with my band, Venus Exalted, 
and it's really beautiful. I feel so grateful that there's really good musicians that have come my way and wanted to build upon my dreams and they hear the music that I'm hearing. And this is the first time that's really happened. I've been in one woman show for 13 years. So it's fun to now play with others. And we just played the Green Show this summer and it was summertime, it was hot. We were on it. My cellist, James Hoskins, who's so beautiful, amazing. One of my dearest friends, he flew in from Boulder and it was a total win. It was such a great gig. You can actually watch the whole show. They filmed it and recorded the audio. If you go to my YouTube page, you can see the Green Show. Well, I appreciate that, A.D. Bell. And I know that you are spreading light and that's what we need. We need a lot of light. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you coming and, and doing the show, too. It's my pleasure. 2020, man, you're kicking it off. Thank you. Well, I wish you the best on your epic adventure in this next cycle for you. Thanks. This whole time we've been sitting here, that did not enter my mind once. That's something happening tomorrow. Yeah, it's isn't It's not that happening right now. Be well, present. I so appreciate your presence because that's part of the emotional education. Yes. Teaching people how to be present. I believe we can do it. We just need proper guidance. We just need all. proper guidance. So may I be a beacon of light in this dark world and the Pied Piper, if you will. I love you and I hope you have a wonderful journey and you take Silver Wheel with you. I am taking it with me. Thank yeah. you. And uh, look forward to the new record because we got some really good music coming down. I'll make sure that you get it. Who do you have playing with you? I know you got Matt Kremelman. Who else Matthew is going Matthew Kremelman's on, on percussion. James Hoskins, my cellist. I have two fantastic vocalists, Jeffrey Lynn Carrington and Lo Campbell. And we just brought on this beautiful guitarist named Bailey Arango. We have some bass being played by either me or I have a couple different bassists who've been sitting in on the sessions. Brett Levick just engineered and co-produced my first single, which is Canyon, and that's out now. You can listen to it. It's a beautiful piece. And then we have two other songs following it up, and those are being engineered and co-produced by John Griffin. He's oh, awesome. Love John. Isn't he great? Yep. He's doing a great job, and he's also playing bass on some of those tunes. I love you, Aidy. I love you too, Mark. That's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. It's great to have Aidy on. She's such a great lady and certainly comes from some very interesting background. All the best to her and her new projects. If you're in Ashland, look her up at Oracle88. You can just Google her and find her all over the place. Oracle88, twice 44, which is 88. Wow, so much going on. It's hard to know where to start. I'm certainly no prognosticator, but I think that little soundbite that you heard at 3208 was clearly me prognosticating a little bit about what's going on now with this coronavirus. I mean, I don't know anything. That was downloaded to me. I know nothing, really. I'm downloaded everything I say. That's why I don't have to think much about it. I try not to get in the way of the information and present it. So take that for what you will, and uh, I hope for the best. I, of course, wish everybody well, and I know that we're all in different boats in this storm, and uh, I am a very fortunate person through all of this and have pretty much been unscathed. I am also, of course, in Vietnam, which is a much different environment than what you folks in the States are going through. I'm blessed. I'm living with two great ladies here in an apartment, and I have almost no worries in the world at this point other than finding a job and uh, giving them their apartment back and getting back out on my own. That's what's going on here, no complaints. I wanna thank my father for coming on the show and sharing a little bit. He's having a tough time. You know, my mom passed the end of December last year and he's feeling it a little more being home alone and being disconnected from his day-to-day -day of going to Ralph's and hanging out with his friends. So that's difficult and I feel bad for him and wish I could help him, but I am keeping in regular contact with him and I do appreciate that he had the courage to jump on the phone and tell me what's going on and being on the show. So much love to you, Dad. Thank you so much. Much love to Pink and Leanne for letting me stay here for a little bit and transition through whatever the next phase of my Vietnam experience is going to be. I appreciate their generosity. It's quite overwhelming. I don't even have words. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. You can catch all the shows on CastBox, iTunes, and Stitcher. Also visit citizen44.com. 
Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate that, of course. And take care of yourselves. Wear your mask. Stay indoors as much as you can. Ride with it. Go inside. This is an opportunity for reflection to see what's going on inside of you. This show is sponsored by Linkley Home, a premier hotel apartment centrally located in Ho Chi Minh City, District 1, Vietnam. Clean, comfortable, convenient, super friendly, excellent service. Be sure to tell them Mark sent you and receive a 10% discount. Linkley Home. Check them out on Booking.com. They're rated a 9.1. Linkley Home. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. Yes. Yeah. I am Citizen 44. Ha ha ha.